Ephesians chapter 1. We'll start there in Ephesians chapter 1 in the 15th verse and read until the end of the chapter. Ephesians 1 and verse 15. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us were to believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him as, at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we beckon your throne this morning, asking that this morning you will help us to uh, rinse this world from our mind, that you will pour your spirit out upon us this morning, that we will glean from your word what it means to see the manifestation, the, the action of your Son in us. May the world be able to tell what it means when we say we're a Christian long before we say it. May others around us see something peculiar in the way we behave and the way we treat others. Lord, there's so much to be said about this text, about Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. Lord, I pray that you'll help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to focus this morning on verse 15 and verse 16. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. We have now come to the end of the second part of this Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul begins to offer up his prayer request unto the Lord on behalf of the believers. Coming into verse 15, Paul has not forgotten his doxology of praise that we've spent the last several weeks covering in the first 14 verses. When we closed out two weeks ago, if you remember, we closed out looking out the, being sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We closed with looking how the Holy Spirit was the earnest of our inheritance. Um, but Paul has much more to say about this matter. Matter of fact, we'll see that in verse 15 is a connection to everything we've read in the first 14 verses. 
the choosing, the adoption, being accepted in the beloved, the, the wisdom and the prudence that we have received from God, the future gathering we have in Christ, our current inheritance, our future inheritance. He summarizes all of that in verse 14 by saying, it was all unto the praise of his glory. He says, that's how it all happened. That's why it all happened. But here in verse 15, he says, wherefore. Now, we understand just from what we've read through already that wherefore is a term of conclusion. It is to say, because all of this, now for this reason. And that's what wherefore means. For this reason, because of this cause. Because of what all God has done in the first 14 verses, because of this very reason, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, meaning this in the first 14 verses is what all and what Christ had done in our lives by God's will. And for this reason also, when I heard of your faith, I ceased not to give thanks unto you. He was excited that that which he had experienced in his own life that he was offering up thanksgiving because of God doing this work in other people's life. For this reason also, he says in verse 17, I cease not to give thanks. Now look again here. There are two directions divinely given in verse 15. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. This is connected. Paul is trying to bring into the reality of a divine connection here. That in the way that we as believers treat others is the manifestation of how our relationship is with God. You see, the horizontal relationship with God affects our vertical relationship with others. What does this mean for us? He, he says, when I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love unto all the saints. It is to say that faith is not stationary. This is what we must understand. Faith is not static. It doesn't mean that our faith moves from God. Our faith continually abides in God. But our faith moves, meaning that once the a vertical relationship is established, it continues to move in how we treat others horizontally. And meaning how we treat others is described about how God moved upon us. Paul describes it here, faith in the Lord. He says, love unto all the saints. Now, listen, the natural man uh, finds those who are in Christ appalling. The natural man has no desire to be with those who are in Christ. For those who are like me, the thought of being around people in Christ, in the lost state, there was no desire to be mixed with them. In my mind, they were caught members. In my mind, they were wasting their life. Oh, life is so short. How could you waste your life doing that when there's so much to enjoy? Matter of fact, 
in Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, this is how the relationship between man and saved mankind is described. Paul talking to Titus said, For we ourselves also were, past tense by the way, sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. This is where we once were. But what is this about? Paul is saying in this 15th verse that the connection in the faith has removed us from hating one another. The faith in the Lord Jesus has brought us to this place where we love another. Where sin did once abound in us, and envy did once abound in us, and malice did once abound in us. Grace did much more abound and bring us to a place where we love all the saints. This is what we have. Love for all the brethren. Remember what 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14 says, And we know that we have passed from death unto life. In what manner? How can we know this thing? Because we love the brethren. And he that loveth not his brethren, what does he abide in? Life? No, he abideth in death. This is the answer for those. So you can see, Paul is bringing here the identifier of our faith. This is the acid test. This is what brings to light whether or not you are truly in Christ, that you love the brethren. Now, most of us find it easy today to love specific brothers and sisters. It's really easy. Especially we love those who are around us, so to say, and encourage us. We love specific people in our minds. We have placed them at higher levels, but that's not what he says here. Look what he says. For I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. His identifier for this love, for this faith that we have in Christ. The identifier for the faith that we have in Christ is that we love all the saints. Now, we must trap our hearts here and try not to do something foolish with this text. It is the same love that we should have for all the saints. Uh, You're not to say, I love them as a friend and I love this one as a brother. This is agape love. This is love that is kind. This is love that is devoted. This is love that is charitable. This is the love that we are to have unto all the saints. This is the manifestation of what we have in Christ. Our struggle is that we struggle to love those who have a different temperament than us. We struggle to love those who have uh, a different uh, eschatology than us. We struggle to love those who use a different Bible than us. We struggle to love those who have a different culture than us. And by the way, I am in no, by no means preaching a merger. That's not what I'm saying. I believe firmly that when Paul firmly withstood Peter to his face when he erred. But what I'm saying is that we have majored on the minors. When people are different than us doctrinally, instead of emphasizing and grasping to this text that we should have love unto all the saints, 
We have now painted God's children as our enemies, and that's anti-biblical. It's not right. It is not right to pit someone who doesn't believe like you believe. Listen, I am firmly standing in my eschatology. I firmly stand in what I believe in God's word. But I also have people who I love dearly, who I talk to about the word of God, who believes differently on some of those matters. And I still think they're good brothers. And I plan on worshiping God in all eternity with them. We have foolishly made war with believers, forgetting that our war is with the devil. So he says, love unto all the saints. This is what God's love is unto all the saints. Our love unto all the saints is the genuine overflowing of what Christ has done in our lives. Now, Look again at the verse. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints. There's no mistake in this writing here. Nor is there any mistake to the order in which it was written. Notice what he says. First in this verse, he ceased not to give praise for them in the 16th verse. But he ceased not to give praise for them because why? Because they had passed the test of true faith. And is that, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks unto you. This is very important. You, you, when they acid test gold, one of the things they do is they'll take a ring and they'll rub it against the stone. And they will take acid and put it upon the gold. And by whether the, the mark on the stone dissolves or not, you'll be able to tell what the purity of the gold is, whether it's 14 carat or 18 carat and so on and so forth. Depending upon the purity will answer whether or not it will dissolve. So... Paul takes their lives here. Imagine it in this manner. He takes their life and puts it upon the stone. He is acid testing their faith. What makes you a true believer this morning? What makes you a, a true follower after the Lord? He says here, Wherefore I also I heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus. I was speaking to a, a, a preacher who is now pastoring another church that came out of this church here. And he was telling me that last week he was preaching a funeral. And as he was preaching the funeral, after the service was over, the people who were in the crowd were disgruntled with the way he handled the service. They were disgruntled how he preached, irritated, because he had not preached this family member of theirs into heaven. They didn't hear him say at one time that this member of their family was now in heaven with the Lord. And the pastor said, I sat down with you for a while before I wrote this message and never once Never once did you ever tell me that this person had faith in Jesus Christ. And they said, 
Now, did I not tell you? Did I not tell you that he loved people? Did I not tell you that he was kind to all people? Did I not tell you that he did not have an enemy? How could you not have, how could you live like this and not be loved by God? And how could you live like this and not love God? Paul said, this mentality will fail the acid test. Notice what he says. He says, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love unto all the saints. You notice love did not come first. The actions did not come first. Yet the world reasons that by your kindness and by your generosity and by your hospitality and the way that you live amongst others clearly is a determiner that you will one day be in heaven. And Paul says, this is not how I determined and rejoiced unto the Lord about your faith. This is not what caused me to cease not to give thanks. Everything must be in the correct order. Or it will dissolve. Paul said, I heard, I, I gave thanks when I heard of your faith. Now, there was a condition placed upon this faith that Paul is speaking of. And we must remember this. Paul did not stop. He said, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith. Now, there are many people today who say, that they have faith. There are many people today who say that they have faith in God. Matter of fact, to whom it would apply, the original, I mean, they believe that this was a circular letter, that this was passed around all of this area of Ephesus. When they would have received this letter, everyone would have thought, you know, do you have faith in God? Of course they had faith in a God. Ephesus was one of the most known pagan societies. They had uh, the uh, Aphrodite there. They had gods everywhere. It was a port city. Matter of fact, it was known that many false deities were shipped in there. If you would have went through Ephesus and said, do you have faith in a God? They would have said, absolutely, I have faith in God. And this is how I will be rewarded in the afterlife. And even more today. If you go around in this world and ask people, do you have faith in God? They would say, yes, I have faith in God. But their God may be Buddha. And their God may be Allah. And their God may be Muhammad. And their God may be works. Paul says, that will all fail the acid test. That will not get you into heaven. Even more specific, he says. He doesn't leave it there. If you was to encounter even Jews today, they would also say to you that you too have the same God as they do. I believe in the Old Testament. Well, I believe in the Old Testament too. I believe that God led the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Well, I believe this thing too. I believe that God will one day de devise a plan to, to bring us all into heaven. Well, they would too. Yet, what does the Bible teach us? That they did not know God. These Jews who did not know God. These Jews who did not understand God. These Jews who had no understanding that God had a son named Jesus who would enter into this world. Paul brings further emphasis and said, they also knew not God. Matter of fact, he said in 1 Corinthians 
that the princes of their day knew not our Lord, therefore they crucified him. So Paul says, just to say you have faith in God is not enough to pass the test whether you are saved or not. This is not depending upon your salvation. He says, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now we've seen this mentioned some 15 times where Christ's name has been mentioned. The Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ. I mean, we have seen this mentioned some 15 times in previous texts. And now we hear, we see this, the Lord Jesus. This is a great confession. He said, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is the breakdown of his divinity and his humanity. This is a name that says he is both the second person of the Trinity and he is also mankind. He is also 100% human and he is 100% Lord. God and man, the Lord eternal, the one who existed before all of eternity. And yet when you put your faith in Jesus, the Lord Jesus, it is to say that you believe in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It is to say that you believe that God in time past broke through all of humanity, came here, born of a virgin, lived a sinless, spotless life. And this is the explanation for the miracles, is it not? And when people say, well, how can you believe a man did all of these miracles amongst all mankind? And this is the problem. You have made him a hundred percent man. But for these Ephesians, he said, you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus. It was the recognition that he was God among men. And yet he was a hundred percent men. And this is our own confession. This is why Paul rejoiced. And if our faith is being rejoiced upon anything else, then our faith in the Lord Jesus and all of the deep meanings behind that, our faith will not pass the acid test. It is not a God, it is the God. He came born of a virgin, as Matthew one twenty one says. They called his name Jesus. And yet when they named him Jesus in Matthew one twenty one, his name was already Lord. This is not just a statement here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3 says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. You see it now even more. This confession that Jesus is Lord is a confession that can only be brought about through the moving of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, referenced earlier in verses 7 and 8, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. For them, for the Jews, who was he? He was a carpenter. For the Jews, who was he? He was just Joseph's son. He was just a man. Had they known he was the Lord, had he knew he was the son of God, surely their 
they would not have crucified him. But that is not the great problem that we see today. We see here this text. Notice again. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. There is no separation of this name. The problem that is plaguing Christianity today is that there are a group of people who are running around saying that they have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. They say that they love Jesus. They say that Jesus saved them. They say that Jesus came into their life. And yet, they go out and live like the world. This is a confusing matter. You see, Lord in the medieval times was a name that was attributed to give respect, kind of like we say sir today. But in this time, to say Lord was the highest of high. It was to place you equal with Caesar or above. To call someone Lord was not a loosely used term. Lord meant that you was in service to them. Lord meant that you lived under them. Lord meant that you obeyed their rules. This is what Lord meant. I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. It is a confusing matter that the world today, Christians today, try to separate the Lordship of Jesus Christ from their salvation. Save today, and I'll make him Lord later. It is, later, it is never found in the scriptures in such a manner. If he is our Savior, then he is our Lord. Faith, this faith that we have, this faith that we have in the Lord, we make this confession, not only is he Lord, but he is Lord of our life. Faith in Christ is the rejection to the world's ideas. Faith in Christ is to reject the ideology of the world. Faith in Christ is to reject the religions of the world. Faith in Christ is to say, He is our all in all. That This test has come back pure. This is where He has began to rejoice. He said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you. And because of this faith that you have in the Lord Jesus, I can now rejoice that Christ has not only redeemed me, what I told you about in the first 13 verses and 14 verses, my doxology of praise about how God saved me. But I'm ceasing not to give thanks because the same relationship that I have, the same salvation that I have, you now also have. And this has gotten me praising God that he's not only saved me, a wretch like me, but that he's saving a wretch like you. He had love for all the saints. Do you realize this? This is one of the biggest ailments of the Christian faith. We judge people about where they came from, and Christianity is to judge people about why we're, where we're going. Yeah. We're going home. Well, you know, he's saved, but uh, his past. Well, this is this Christianity, life in Christ is not about the past, it's about the future, it's about where we're going. He had love unto all the same. He was praising God that more people are going where he's going. <laughs> this is great. We've been brought together, more people brought together in Christ, more people to receive an inheritance, more people redeemed, more people forgiven. So we say to ourselves then, how 
in the world? Is this a test of their faith? Meaning that they had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they had love unto all the saints. What is this love? How can this man, Paul, who's bound in prison, writing this prison epistle, pass this test that he has love unto all the saints? You know, we're coming upon the time here in just a few short weeks where people will determine their love by worldly gifts. They will determine how much they view that they are loved by what they receive from the hands of others. But I think the measure of Paul's love for them is based on verse 16. And he ceases not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. There it is. There a man bound in prison is praising God that you have love for all the saints just like he does, yet he cannot do what all can do. He is bound, yet he is still professing that he has undaunted love for the saints. Well, how does, how does he emphasize this love? How do others know that you truly love them? Because he ceases not to give thanks for them and offers them up in his prayers. I suppose that you could say that the evidence... Uh, the evidence is here for them that Paul loves them is that he, one, taught them doctrine. Two, that he not only taught them doctrine, he taught them how to apply the doctrine. And then three, he prayed that God would not only help them to apply the doctrine, but he prayed that he would continue to uh, teach them to apply it, and then they would further teach it. This is a confusing thing that we even see today. The Bible says in Acts, in the book of Acts, is that, that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, then fellowship, and then breaking of bread. This is the exact opposite of what the world is crying for today. They say, leave the doctrine alone and give us fellowship. And that's why we have so many weak churches. If we really have love for the saints... We must give doctrine. Then we must teach ourselves how to apply it. And then we must pray that the Lord keeps it with us. He tells them in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, what? Pray without ceasing. And this is how we express our love for one another. And this is how he expresses his love for the church. And so it is even in our own lives we must ask ourselves about our own faith. Does our faith pass the acid test? Does our faith pass the test that was put forth before us in the text this morning? Would somebody be able to survey your own life and say, that it is a true of them, that they have love unto all the saints? Would they even be able to say that we have love for the saints at all? Would they be able to verify that we have love and concern and care for saints by our prayer? Would they say that we have love and concern and care by the way we act? What about it even more? What would they say of our salvation that we claim? Is it from the basis of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Would people be able to look at our lives and say, truly, they have made Jesus Lord. Truly, he is Lord over their life. Truly, they are governed by another. Truly, the world does not impress upon them. Truly, they're not following after the world. Truly, they're following after Christ. Is there great joy in their life? It always causes me confusion when people hear about people getting saved at other churches and they become disgruntled because it wasn't at theirs. What is this? I thank God and I cease not to give thanks as we all should that he is still doing a work that he took 13 verses to explain to you that you could not do. And so if he so sovereignly decides to do his work elsewhere, I give thanks. And I love it. And we should love each other unto all saints. We may at times get on each other's nerves, so to say. I had a conversation with one of my children about this the other day, that he is cursed with his father's personality. And some people love it and some people just hate it you know, and uh, encouraging them to behave wisely. But the reality is this, is that even people who maybe irritate us, we should have the same love for those who are, we are the closest to. We should have the same love unto all saints. Next week, we'll dive further into this prayer that Paul offers up. But Prior to this, well, not next week, that's revival, the week after. Tim's face told me that. <laughs> but we'll dive even further to Paul's praise and prayer for the church. But the qualifier for the church, the qualifier, what makes you a part of the church is that your faith must pass the test. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. We praise you and magnify your name, Lord. I pray for all this that's coming upon us soon. I pray for Brother Evan as he prepares tonight, Lord. And I pray that as revival comes upon us, Lord, that you'll teach us from your word. You'll feed us, that you'll revive us, Lord. And that you'll charge us again with your word. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.